So you're a dentist, eh? You're in the right place. This is the Canadian Dentist Podcast with Dr. Carlo Biasucci, where you'll get a truly Canadian approach to building a low-stress, highly profitable practice and live life on your terms. Learn more at TheElitePractice.com. What was your expectation uh, from your dental assistant? So when you came in the room, what was your expectation of how the room was set up? What should have been done with the patient already? Um, what did you expect to have done before you came in the room? And what did you focus on when you came in the room? That's a really good question. Okay, you guys put some thought into this. So <laughs> my expectation of my assistants was very high, but I also spent a lot of time coaching and training, right? And, and you can attest to this, right? Absolutely. I would put in a lot of energy into assistants, even assistants that I knew weren't going to stick around very long. I would make sure that they had at least a base level. So my expectation was that the assistant, first of all, knew what was going to happen in the room and it was set up accurately. And that's the backup assistant and the lead assistant working together, right? Now there again, back to the previous question, someone is responsible for a part of that another part of it, right? So the backup assistant is ultimately responsible for everything on the list being in the room where it's supposed to be. The lead assistant is responsible for just having a look at that and making sure, but they're not, they're not the one who's going to set it up. The backup assistant will ultimately make the lead assistant look bad if there are things missing, but it falls back on the backup assistant. So there is that accountability. See, it doesn't mean that they both don't help. Like if the backup assistant is struggling and they need something, but you know, the lead assistant has a minute. Can you run and grab this? Yes, they need to work together. But okay, so everything in the room is set up exactly as it should be. And it's standardized, right? So how do you miss it, right? If for me, again, it makes it easy to have this expectation when every room is set up every time exactly the same with slight little nuances. If I'm doing an endo, it looks like a filling plus an endo motor and a, a obturation unit and a box of endophiles. Like it's the same, right? Okay, maybe you have, you know, you have bleach and you have a few other little miscellaneous things, but the core setup is exactly the same. If you have that same core setup, it's really easy to not miss, right? It's easy to hit the mark. So room set up exactly properly, then the lead assistant or whomever brings that patient in. And then ultimately the lead assistant is in with the patient when I come in, talking with the patient, building a relationship, I know that things are going well when I go into the room and everyone's laughing and smiling. <laughs> then we're good. I, I know this is, this is going well. Consent should already have been signed. Finances should already be handled. Okay. So that when I'm coming in, I'm going to take on, or I'm gonna, we're going to do a transfer of power. I'm going to take over talking with the patient, build a little rapport, get them to laugh, answer any questions that they might have about the treatment specifically, and then treat. That's it. That's, that's my job. From there, then I'm done and I'm going to exit the room. And my expectation is that the patient will be brought out. If there's any questions, next appointments, et cetera, all that gets handled and my notes are done reasonably well, which again, I spent a lot of time coaching, training, getting people to understand how notes are written, why they need to be written the way they need to be written and so on and so forth. And if that's all done, then I just have to quickly scan my note at the end of that appointment or sometime in the, you know, the near future to just, review for risk management only. I rarely need to change um, actual tooth numbers or surfaces or anything like that. that should be accurate because it's there. It's in the chart. How do you miss it? Right? Okay. So that's the process. 
lead, lead assistant does the note. Okay. And then it's just done and I can move quickly. So that's what I would expect. And how do you get there? Training, right? It's spending the time. And a lot of that was one-on-one -on -one time, uh, getting my assistants to understand my philosophy, what I expected and how to do it and how to talk to patients. And, you know, also it really does start from hiring. So if you make a huge miss on the hiring or you don't use the one score of the processes that we teach, then, well, everything is uphill both ways in a snowstorm and that's not much fun, right? <laughs> You know, because so we have tried, you know, we're desperate, just hire them and we'll try. And it's like, oh boy, you know? Yep. Yeah. And, and I have, I have trained probably 15 assistants, give or take. I think that's accurate. I became the training person for the assistants, even that the associates worked for, because I spent that time and I had that process down to make sure that they understood what my expectations were. And I, I was friendly. I should just take, I should run with this a little bit. How do I train an assistant for certain procedures and to work with me, right? Right. So this, because this is an extension of the exact same thing. I would spend the time with them during their procedure to show them why I'm doing what I'm doing, why it's important to do it the way I'm doing it, and make sure that they are positioned right. Because a lot of suction assistants don't know how to hold the suction. And it's like... Okay, well, we have to start with the basics. If you can't see what I'm doing, you can't help me do what I'm doing, right? So you have to help them even to understand what their role is, right? And, you know, how far they should push from their, their side of things, right? You know, because assistants sometimes get in the way, but they're supposed to in certain cases. You have to teach that. It takes a while. It's hard to standardize that part of it because every dentist works differently, uses different materials, has a different suction tips. Like I really liked a certain suction tip because it was small and it got out of the way which is the old tippadilly thing with the McDonald's <laughs> straw in it, right? Yep. I know that they, you know, some people don't like those and there's reasons for and against, but they worked really well because they were good for precision and they were good for the way I like to work, right? You have to show them how to put in an obstrugate, how to put in, a, you know, the, um, I forget, the saliva ejector. Suction. Yeah, the saliva ejector, and uh, we call it the curly suction, but it's, <laughs> it's a saliva ejector if you're, if you're going to buy them. Um, you know, and all the isolation protocol. So they can just do all that because for me, I want that done. The assistant does that. Like I'm going to freeze the patient and I'm going to go and do a hygiene check. Then I want the assistant to give or take no. Okay. If the patient is numb and he's been gone five minutes, I'm going to put the stuff in and get ready. Especially if they're, if what I'm putting in is not going to be uncomfortable because they're frozen there. And the assistant is also not clicking on the computer or leaving the patient with stuff in their mouth or lying back with a numb tongue and saliva is sitting there and they're gurgling by the time you get back. The assistant stays in the room the whole time with the patient and is pre-emptying any problems. It is for, you're, you're thinking ahead. You're thinking, geez, if I'm the patient, what do I want right now? Like constantly suction. Do you need anything? You know, you want a blanket? Is everything okay? You know, just let them know. Like, just raise your hand if you need anything and I'll figure out what it is. You know, if you put a rubber dam on, just just without asking, just suction every couple minutes, like go underneath there and suction, right? Basic stuff, but you have to teach them that, right? Now I know that a lot of this stuff is covered in the assistant training, but have a, the only way you're going to, you're going to train that is the, the dentist spending some time with the assistant to do it. Now, typically dentists are running hundred miles a minute. So how do you have time to do it? How do you have patience to do it? You got to dig deep for that because you're investing in, if I'm going to spend two weeks pulling my hair out, then I might spend two or three years as this assistant in a smooth operating procedure, 
you know, working relationship. I'm going to invest the time. It's worth it, right? It's a headache at first, but it's worth it because I'm going to get another good assistant out of this and it's going to, be, you know, be so much easier for me later. So I'll put the time in. That's, that's how I look at it. And if the assistant is making mistakes in front of the patient, you don't tell them, you know, you make them look stupid in front of the patient because the patient will automatically empathize with the assistant and think you're a jerk. That's the bottom line, right? Because, you know, the mean old dentist, right? So, hey, you know what? There's a really easy way to do this. I want to show you after. Or here's a really easy way to do this. If we try this and we try this, then you see what happens is you don't drop the instrument on Mrs. Jones here. You know, I mean, she probably can catch it with her mouth, but you know, you can make a, jo- <laughs> make a joke out of it, right? But you know, it, the idea is, is you want to, the assistant to kind of, okay, I, you know, I'm, I'm not, he's not making me look stupid, but I understand I need to make a change, right? Don't go to your team lead after and say, you know what, Ms., you know, the, Mary over there, she's just not passing instruments properly. She's not doing this. She's missing that. Like, how does a person go to them after and say, when you were doing this, the doctor said this, or just say it while you're there, right? And just have a conversation with the patient instead of you grumbling about it in your mind, because everyone can read your energy, right? Everyone can feel that you're pissed off about something. You can't hide it. So just have the conversation. I frequently would say to new assistants, hey, there is a really easy way to hold four instruments between your two hands, two in each hand, no kidding. Go see Christine and she will show you how to do this between patients, okay? And let me know when you have done it. And if you forget to let me know, this one's important. I'm going to ask you today when you did it, okay? So I would just, you know, I, I'm saying it with a smile, I'm, I'm, you know, but I'm not kidding. Like, I want them to do it. If, if at the end of the day it comes and they haven't done it, okay, can you do it before we start today tomorrow? Of course you can, because <laughs> it takes five minutes, yeah. right? So hold them accountable too. I think I've gone way over on your question, but oh, no, that's, good. that's that's my expectation of assistance. I expected the assistants to do everything that I didn't need to do, that I didn't need my dental degree to do that the law says that an assistant could do. I mean, period. Have I answered all of your questions? There's, there's more stuff I can probably throw out there, but... That was perfect. Okay, shut up now. Okay. okay. No. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Canadian Dentist Podcast. If you want to know how Dr. Biasucci tripled his practice in three years and cut his work week in half, request your free information kit at theelitepractice.com.